McShane Bible Study, day 178, and we're starting in Deuteronomy 32. I'm in a bit of a hurry today. Um, and, I, you know, so... You started late. Uh, yeah, so Moses is... Um, he's just recited the law to the people, basically. It's kind of what Deuteronomy is, kind of a speech, uh, a, a, you know, a paraphrase of the law in one long speech. <clears throat> and then he gives them all this song to learn, which basically says the same thing we've been talking about over and over again. God blesses his people, but his people have a tendency to turn away from them, to turn to other things. And then he judgment comes upon them because this is they're choosing to follow Satan. But in the end, he will be mighty and overwhelming, overcoming for his people that choose him. It's basically what the song says, right? Much longer than that. But And then God tells Moses, hey, go up this mountain, you're going to die. You'll see the promised land that you've been working your whole life towards, but you don't get to enter into it because of the rock of Meribah. Um, oh, I did. I think I highlighted one part. Verse 4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So God's called the rock here. We see Jesus called the rock at one point. Jesus, what did Jesus call the rock? <clears throat> he called sonship the rock, mm -hmm. right? When, when Peter said, you're the son of God, this idea that mankind was made to be sons of the living God. He says, upon this rock, I build my church. So it's interesting, this rock concept. It just means something un unmovable, right? Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on. All right, we're continuing on in Psalm 119. I like verse 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Well, he obviously lives. He wrote this, right? Mm -hmm. So what kind of life is he talking about? He says, I want true life, right? Mm -hmm. I want your life, God. So give me understanding that I can walk in this way. That's powerful. So we're moving into Isaiah, and we're in 59. And it starts out, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So he's saying, and it's going... You know, talking about how just the people have turned away from him and the great difficulties. The heart of man, generally, the fallen state of man, is to turn away and go his own way. But then things happen which makes us realize all of a sudden we need God. So that's why there's the expression, there's no atheist in a foxhole, right? Mm -hmm. When your life is on the line, you start praying. And, and sometimes, this, so these aren't hard, fast rules, okay? They're principles, because sometimes God does show up to people in situations like that and their lives are turned around in that moment and that's the moment where their life turned around. But in general, when we live a life far from God and then we expect to pray uh, for, you know, for things to go our way, well, God says, well, you, you're not walking with me. You know, I don't hear you. You're, you're not... It, it's not helpful for the person that the Lord blessed their prayers because that just reinforces that their lifestyle apart from him is okay and it's not okay, right? Mm -hmm. But when we live our lives completely for him, or at least we're on, you know, we're on that journey where we're more and more doing so all the time, then it's his great blessing to him. It gives him 
tremendous happiness and joy to answer our prayers because we're his. Why wouldn't he? You know, it's like you're my son. And when you're doing things, you know, you're, you're living in the right way that I've brought you up and you want something and that thing is not hurtful for you. Of course, I want to give you that thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, if the thing's hurtful for you, then I wouldn't want to give that to you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same with us in like our prayers. Like a bomb. <laughs> like a bomb. Yeah. So, it's the same with us in our prayers, right? But it, when these things are aligned, our Father is good and He wants to give us these things. But when our life is far from Him and then we think we should go and start praying and He's just going to answer all our prayers, that's not actually helpful for us. It's helpful for us that we reap what we have sown so that we then learn to turn around. Uh, Verses 17 says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So Paul kind of refers to this a couple times. This Isaiah is referring to the Lord being wrapped in this. Paul teaches us that we should wrap ourselves in the same garments as the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That because we are his, if we're his sons, shouldn't we wear his clothing? Mm-hmm. See that? All right. And we're finishing up in Matthew seven. I probably spent forty-five minutes when I went over this chapter last year, uh, when I was going straight through uh, Genesis to Revelation, and I got more like five minutes this time. <laughs> so. Um, you know, it's the Sermon on the Mount. So he's going through, giving a lot of good wisdom. He talks about judging others. And some people take from this that they shouldn't, no one should ever judge anyone. He's actually teaching how to build up order in a house. And he's saying, if you go around and you see something that you perceive is less than ideal in someone else, but you have not come to maturity, you have no place to judge that person. You should work on your own self instead of worrying about it. He says, verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. That means first you grow to maturity in yourself, and then you will see clearly to take this speck out of your brother's eye. Now, you're not so much thinking, oh, you know, that that guy's terrible. He's got, look at all the problems, sins, difficulties he's had. Well, you've grown to maturity so that you can help them remove the speck from their eye. See that? Mm-hmm. This is about counsel and wisdom and discipleship rather than what's the heart of man? Well, look, I'm better than this guy in this way. I'm better than that girl in this way. You know, um, that's the, how the enemy would have us treat each other. He's teaching how do we build up the culture of my father's house? And then he leads straight into six. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So he says, look, you're not supposed to disciple everyone. You're supposed to disciple those the Lord gives you. Don't worry about everyone. Worry about those that he's put in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So throwing out the Lord's wisdom to people who can't, like they don't live according to that way is foolishness. Um, Now, depending on the situation, you might share something that's godly wisdom in a helpful way and it might be helpful. But trying to assume someone else is going to live according... The church makes this mistake a lot, where they assume the world is supposed to live or going to live according to God's wisdom. But they don't know God, so why would they live according to his wisdom? Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus says, don't throw pearls to pigs. And then he teaches on prayer, and we were just talking about this, right? Ask, and it was seven. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So this is exactly what we were just talking about. God wants to give us what is good so long as our our path is secured in him, right? And then he goes on and he says, hey, live according to the way that I'm teaching. It's a narrow gate. It's easy to go to destruction. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So we saw the psalmist was praying for life, right? Jesus is saying there is a way that you can enter into this life, but it's not the easy way that most people choose, but it is a way that the Lord will help you on if you choose it. So choose it. And then he talks about a tree and its fruit. He says, and he's talking about here, people who follow the Lord or claim to, sorry, they don't follow the Lord, but they're claiming to follow the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. But he says they, they can be diseased. The fruit can be no good. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So he says he will throw some trees that supposedly represent him into the fire, right? 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. So he says, it's not about just claiming you're a Christian to enter the kingdom. It's about doing the will of the father to enter the kingdom. See that? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There's that rock again, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want that house that's swept away by the flood. We want to build our life on him. That's all I have. You have anything else? The Lord bless you. Yeah, God bless you.